to what I like to call from nonsense to God's sense as we take a look at things of this world through a biblical perspective. And you know, there are some things going on in this world that probably do need some perspective from a biblical standpoint. And and joining me this week, as always, is Dan Delzell. He's an author at the Christian Post, also a pastor at a church in Papillion, Nebraska. And Dan, one of the things we're going to talk about uh, is the difference between divine power and magic. Now, I know a lot of people, when they hear the word magic, like for me, when I hear magic, we have a um, an entertainment house out here, so to speak, in California and Los Angeles, Hollywood. It's called the Magic Castle, and the magicians will go there, and they will perform magic tricks and make cards disappear and coins disappear and all these different other tricks, and it's illusions, and it's really cool. It's a lot of fun, but that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about the David Copperfield type of magic where it's a sleight of hand or maybe there's some other uh, trickery involved. We're talking about a divine magic, a spiritual, supernatural magic, and then, of course, the divine power that comes from God. So I guess as we get into this conversation, the one thing that I would like to start off with is if you can maybe kind of give us an idea, and again, this is based off an article that you recently wrote called The Difference Between Divine Power and Magic. It's on the Christian Post if you're interested in reading it. Maybe start off by just talking about maybe uh, the difference between uh, the definition of a divine power and then that of the magic that you describe in the article. Well, thank you, Son. It's great to be with you again. And uh, yeah, I appreciate uh, you uh, talking about this topic today because there has been a lot uh, going on in our world uh, around the idea of magic in recent decades. Um, It's interesting how uh, you use the word illusion that gets used a lot today. And of course, uh, illusion is just a trickery. It's just a sleight of hand. Um, it, it is not magic in the traditional sense of the word. Uh, magic traditionally uh, has always been defined as uh, some powerful um, event or activity uh, that uh, involves a supernatural power uh, altering natural forces in some way. So it's not something that we as human beings are capable of, of carrying out. Um, uh, you know, we can, we can perform sleight of hand. Uh, we can perform tricks. We can fool people. And some people are very good at that. Uh, some illusionists are very good at that. At that. Uh, and, and there are some today who will call themselves magicians. And, and what, they really, uh, what they really mean, I think, is that they're illusionists. They may not uh, be uh, claiming to be uh, people who can alter uh, the natural world by tapping into supernatural forces. Um, You you know, when when we get into um, other terms, for example, like, uh, let's say, witchcraft, okay, or or spells, you know, or or things like this, you know, people understand that, well, now you're starting to move into a, uh, a spiritual realm where the medium, uh, in this case, a witch, okay, the medium is seeking to be used as a conduit to somehow bring about uh, a supernatural uh, result in, in something. And, and historically, there have been actually um, you know, thousands of magicians uh, who, have, um, who have engaged in, in such uh, supernatural activity. Uh, many of their names we may not know, uh, we find we find magic happening in the Bible, and I'm sure we'll take a peek at that here today in our in our visit with uh, with Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh and his magicians. But um, the difference between, of course, a divine power 
And magic is that only God can perform uh, divine power. Uh, you know, demons, the devil, they, they can uh, bring about supernatural uh, results, but, but they are not divine. They are supernatural. There is only one God. Uh, the Bible reveals to us that he is three persons in one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the difference between divine power and magic is just a fundamental level and definition is that divine power is power that God provides. Magic is power that um, dark spiritual entities provide. And many times it seems they do that uh, through, through mediums. Uh, or, you know, maybe that, maybe that medium calls himself or herself a, a, uh, a magician or a witch or something else. Um, but they, they perform these things through these mediums, whether these mediums are fully aware of, uh, the source of that power or not. So that just at the base level would be what I would say is the difference between divine power and magic. And, and both are very real forces in the world today and have been. Uh, really since the beginning of time. You mentioned witchcraft. So we think of witches, uh, witch doctors, things like that. But one mm-hmm. thing that stands out to me, especially here in America, psychics. People want to know the future. Yeah. People want to know what's coming. And so there's been times where people go and visit a psychic. And uh, growing up, I was always told you don't go see psychics because of that supernatural power that they have isn't a good one. And mm-hmm. again, sometimes it could be real. Sometimes it could just be them faking it for your money and kind of you know misleading you into thinking something's going to happen when it's really not. But I know the Bible yeah. also speaks about you know speaks out against going and seeing psychics. But with us here in America today. And the psychics, the psychic hotlines on TV, is that an entity that could use supernatural powers? And if we do go see them, how does that affect us? Yes, as you say, son, uh, the Bible warns uh, God's people against turning to, um, to you know, uh, astrologers, sorcerers, um, you know, witches, uh, psychics, um, you know, divination, uh, you know, some different words, you know, they get used in the Bible because historically these have been uh, places that some people have looked to to try to um, determine their future or try to get an answer about a loved one. Um, you know, for example, there are people who will go to a seance in hopes of communicating with a deceased loved one or they'll turn to a psychic uh, in, in hopes of learning something about their future. Now, of course, in any of those fields uh, or practices, you, you, you can have and most likely have, uh, you know, con artists in there who are really not tapping into any supernatural knowledge power. But at the same time, there certainly would be plenty of people who once they begin to dabble in uh, occultic activity and who offer themselves up as a medium of such uh, information, who no doubt are given information that would be privy to um, invisible beings. Uh, So information, of course, that God knows, uh, but also many times information that the devil and his demons would know. Uh, And and so if you have someone that goes to a psychic who is tapping into supernatural uh, resources, and some, some information is shared that that person could in no way have known, humanly speaking, um, in many cases, it, it seems that that would be information being given from 
from a dark uh, spiritual entity. Another example of that song would be sometimes you'll hear people say, well, you know, after my grandmother uh, passed away or my other loved one passed away, he or she appeared to me one night there at the foot of my bed and, and, and it was her voice and I saw her, et cetera, et cetera. Well, um, the thing we need to realize is this song. Um, the Bible um, makes it clear that it is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. There's no indication whatsoever in the Bible that once a person leaves this world, that, that their spirit is allowed to roam around the earth or go and comfort loved ones, this sort of a thing. Now, I, I'm not being critical of those who, in their grief, would seek to visit with a loved one. I'm, I'm simply saying that when that effort is made and when there's a result that might appear to be, you know, my grandmother or my spouse or this or that, um, the, the Bible would warn us that Satan is a master at uh, pr- producing counterfeits. And, and so just because you're seeing an image, just because you're having a vision, just because you're hearing a voice that may sound like your loved one's voice, okay, um, be very, very careful about seeking to communicate with the dead. For example, in this case, the Bible warns against that. Why? Because this is a realm where dark spirits work and seek to draw people in, uh, in a similar way uh, that they do with magic, for example, trying to draw people in by, by giving them a little bit of power, encouraging, the, encouraging them to dabble in some sort of uh, maybe occultic practice, you know, uh, may, maybe, uh, you know, for example, um, the sacrifice or killing of an animal, for example, is a way to, uh, that some people would try to um, tap into some dark power or demonic power or uh, to be able to cast a spell or, uh, you know, and this, of course, is going on around the world in many places. There are many cultures that are just steeped in uh, in witchcraft and the like, you know. I mean, people, you know, associate uh, many times, you know, Haiti with voodoo, um, you know, but here in our own country, you know, uh, New Orleans is, is kind of thought of as a, as a city that, uh, has a lot of that sort of activity going on. And so um, there, supernatural forces are real. Um, God is real. He is omnipresent. Uh, the devil is real. He's one fallen angel who can only be in one place at one time. But he has many other fallen angels who can um, be dispersed in different places. So uh, magic, in the traditional sense of the word, um, is definitely tapping into supernatural power but it's something the Bible um, warns about and, and actually offers the solution to, as, as we'll see when we look here uh, at the example of, of Moses and Aaron and Pharaoh and his magicians, God's power always uh, is able to gain victory over demonic power. You mentioned the dreams. We've talked about in the past, my friend Chris, who died in a car accident back in high school. And there are many years where I've always kind of wondered what happened. And through the years, it's been revealed to me through just going, passing through the area and um, in the certain conditions with the rain, you know, just kind of being in the area, I've kind of come to a conclusion of what, what happened that night because it was, it was a car accident, it was raining, and he was on mm-hmm. the freeway. But one time, and I don't remember how often or how much di- uh, time had passed, but one time I remember having a dream. 
And my friend Chris came to me in the gym. He didn't, I, and I don't take it as him personally coming, but this was my dream. Yeah. He was in my dream and I asked him, I said, Hey, what happened? And he told me, he goes, you know what? It's okay. I'm okay. And I'm like, uh, and, and we had a, a little bit of a conversation and all I remember mm-hmm. was he said that he was okay. I woke yeah. up from that dream and I took that, not that he came to me, Right. But I took that as God giving me an opportunity to kind of have peace yeah. and God telling yeah. me that, you know what, your friend's okay. Now, God didn't send him to me, but he yeah. used that kind of vision, that dream, so to speak. And so that's yeah. how I took it. And I don't know if that's right or not. And I don't know if, you know, how to yeah. interpret it, but that's just how I took it. I took it as, you know what, I don't have to worry anymore or be mm-hmm. um, concerned or whatever my anxiety was at the time over that death. I never, I did not have to worry anymore because God told me yeah. using this dream yeah. that he was okay. And he was, you know, he's in heaven. So obviously he's okay. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but so when you talk about dreams and stuff, I kind of always yeah. kind of wondered about that because that happened to me and I never took it as he physically mm-hmm. came to visit because it was just a dream. I didn't like see him in real life. I was asleep. And, uh, yeah. and so I just took it as God as, as a way God giving me peace about the accident. Well, you know, son, and I think you are entirely uh, in the right to do that based on all the biblical examples we have of God giving dreams to his people, giving visions to his people, to encourage his people, uh, maybe at times to warn his people, but generally to bring some sort of encouragement. I've heard a number of stories over the years, son, that I would compare to what you just shared about something that God did to bring encouragement to um, to a friend, a family member of someone who, let's say, like in this case, it was deceased, and, and that that in no way would be, um, you know, something that we should equate with, let, let's say, the person who is like going to a seance in hopes of communicating with the dead, and so they're, they're jumping through these occultic hoops to try to have some conversation with the dead, uh, no, just the opposite. This kind of came to you. You weren't seeking it. And, and so definitely the Lord uh, can, and I believe at times does, uh, work through things just like what you mentioned there, son, as a way to bring us comfort because it's very difficult to, to deal with loss and death and uncertainty. And, and, uh, the Lord has many ways, mainly being his word, um, but many ways that he can, uh, bring us comfort or assure us. So, um, I, I, I would, I would just say that, um, you know, if a person, let's say has lost, uh, let's say a family member or a friend and they have an experience where maybe they feel like it, this really was the person, uh, coming to me or, you know, this is, this is the spot, my spouse, and we've been married for, you know, 50 years and now my spouse is gone. And let's say, you know, uh, he or she was a believer and they're in heaven, but you know, I really want to talk to them and they came to me one night and I just, I find it very comforting to talk to them. I would just caution anyone against, um, you know, really seeking to have a conversation with someone who's deceased because then those are words that we're not speaking to the Lord. And instead what we're speaking with what we, we maybe think is, is our loved one who's come to us. So very different than the situation you just gave, Bob. But yes, uh, the Bible definitely warns against trying to communicate with the dead um, and, and, uh, so yeah, these are all things to just keep in mind. Dan Delzell with us, uh, talking about the difference between divine power and magic. You can find the article at the Christian post, just search Dan Delzell and the articles will come up and you can find it. The other thing you said earlier, which kind of caught my attention because I don't really don't dwell on it too much, but we know that God is all knowing, all powerful, 
Uh, he's the three Omnis. And, mm-hmm. But you mentioned the Dark Angels, Lucifer. He, can't, he can only be in one place at one time, but he has yeah. his minions that can be everywhere. But you also mm-hmm. said something that kind of caught my attention more specifically. That was that these Dark Angels, Lucifer, they know. Because they're the ones giving the power to those that are using the the supernatural magic. So yes. I guess if you could just maybe expound on a little bit. So we, we pray God knows everything. So we're talking yeah. about the supernatural where Satan and those angels, they know things too. Absolutely, son. And, and I think a big area where this comes into play is with psychics, for example. And I mean uh, genuine psychics, not not fake psychics. Uh, by genuine psychics, I mean people who truly are opening up their, their heart, mind, their soul to the dark side to receive information from the dark side. So that let's say if somebody here in Nebraska, where I'm at, son, were to call a psychic hotline, let's say in California, and then this psychic on the other end of the line begins to tell the person here information about their family or their loved ones or different trips they've been on or this or that, or things that the, the, the person on the phone is going to be like, there's no way this person could have known this or no way that this person could have known that I was battling this or, or that I'm currently, you know, in therapy for this or this or that. And, and so how do you answer that? Well, um, humanly speaking, it, it's not possible for a human being to have that kind of information unless it's, it's fed to you. Uh, you know, either by, by an investigator, let's say, who goes and gets you that information. Uh, you know, uh, there was a, uh, there was a so-called faith healer years ago, and who knows how many maybe since then, not that they're all this way at all, but, uh, there was a faith healer who would stand up and he would have a little earpiece, uh, uh, in, and he'd have somebody out in the uh, audience who was gathering information about different people's, uh, illnesses and things. And then feeding that to him, and then he'd start to call out this illness or this person or this or that, maybe even by name. And, and, and you know, and people are like, wow, you know, well, this must really be of the Lord. And again, I'm not suggesting that God never gives, you know, genuine uh, ministers of the gospel a word of knowledge, you know, but it would take that. It would take something supernatural from the Lord, or on the dark side, it would take something being delivered by a demon. So back to the psychic in California on the hotline. Um, so if the psychic begins to say, well, this and that about your family or your situation, um, there's no doubt that, that uh, demons can, can pass along this sort of information to one another, and they will use that against those who unwittingly are starting to be drawn into an occultic type behavior. And the reason the demons do this is because then they're able to get um, a bit of a hook then, if you will, into that person's soul. Because when you dabble with something in the occult, okay, um, it's not a neutral activity. It's not like you're going out, let's say, in the springtime and doing some gardening or that you're, you know, turning on a, a sporting event on television. I mean, right now we don't have many live events in this coronavirus uh, emergency that we're in, but there are replays of events. Well, um, that, that's pretty much a neutral uh, event, okay? If you go out uh, for a bike ride or a jog, that's a neutral event. But if, if you call up a psychic hotline, that really is not a neutral event. Um, if you start to, uh, you know, get into the realm of, of doctrine and, and, and truth and scripture and spirituality, that is not a neutral area. This is the realm where God is at work, but also demons are at work. 
And this is the realm where people are either going to be drawn closer to God through the truth, through the gospel, through the power of Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus Christ, you know, through God's goodness and grace, or they're going to be drawn further into uh, the, the darkness. And, and so by dabbling with the occult, okay, um, that's, that's how it happens. But let me give you just one little example. So on my wife, Tammy, and I have been married for almost 30 years. And when Tammy was in high school, uh, she was hanging out one day with a few friends who decided to get out a Ouija board. Now, I, I've never, you know, been in, in the presence of anybody doing that. And I, I you know, this is like the only time I, I think my wife ever had been. But anyway, be that as it may, um, there they were. And so this board started to spell out some letters. Nobody was touching the board. It was doing it on its own. Um, but really it wasn't on its own. It, it had uh, supernatural um, uh, forces behind it. But anyway, it started to spell out the letters K-I-L-L-T-A-M-M-Y. Now, fortunately, um, there was not some, you know, person high on drugs in that group or, or um, uh, a sociopath who you know, took that information and said, yeah, let's do that. Let, let, let's kill Tammy. And, and yet, where did that message come from? Well, it comes from dark forces that are at work when you dabble with the occult. If you dabble with psychics or seances or witchcraft or genuine magic, again, I'm not talking about trickery. I'm not talking about a card trick. I'm not talking about an illusion. I'm talking about magic in the traditional sense of the word. And in that realm where there is divine power and magic going on, um, this is the realm where God is at work, where the devil is at work. And you have to be careful uh, which messages, which practices, uh, and, and, and ultimately, what is the goal of your heart? Um, and, and as we see, and we'll look at uh, the example of Simon the Sorcerer, because I'd like to, there are a couple of scripture passages I'd like to just have us touch on briefly today, and he, he, that's the New Testament example, but um, he really started to get jazzed up over um, becoming this famous sorcerer, but it was at a pretty high cost, uh, because when you dabble with supernatural power, um, if it's not God's power, well, there's only one other source for that power. Okay, I have to ask, how, what was her reaction to that, to the Ouija board spelling out, spelling that out? Because that would freak me out. Well, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it definitely you know freaked her out. And uh, I'd be splashing you know, holy water. It's been a while since I've asked her oh, about yeah. that, so I, I don't even recall exactly. Wow. Other than probably just getting up and leaving, you know, <laughs> that just, was probably. I'd be splashing yeah. holy water on that, then burning it. And, I mean, <laughs> that is just crazy. Oh my. But, but, well, but, yes. but it goes back to, you know, the Bible talks about we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and spirit, right. know, spiritualities, powers. And I'm, I know I'm screwing up the scripture, but it's it's forces unseen that we're really battling against. And that's what it comes down yeah, to. That's right. You know, you mentioned you mentioned Moses um, mm -hmm. and the snakes and you want to touch yeah. on that, you know. And so maybe you can just kind of, you know, set the stage, tell the story about, you know, the first divine, which I think think might be the first real evidence of divine power battling supernatural magic as we describe or as you describe in the article well yeah yes indeed son right there in exodus chapter 7 uh we're told that moses was 80 years old and aaron was 83 when they spoke to uh, pharaoh uh the lord said to moses and aaron when pharaoh says do you perform a miracle then say to aaron take your staff and throw it down before pharaoh and it will become a snake 
Then Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw down his threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian magicians also did the same things by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff, and it became a snake. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen to them, just as the Lord had said. This sign was not an illusion. This was a literal change in something that went against uh, nature. Uh, it's not humanly possible. It's not possible, uh, according to just the laws of, of the world and of nature, for a staff uh, to turn into a literal snake. But that's what happened. Um, we can't explain it other than to say it's supernatural. Um, but it was not an illusion. It did not just look like a snake when, um, when Aaron uh, threw down his staff. It became a snake. Likewise, when the sorcerers, the Egyptian magicians, did the same things by their secret arts, the staff that, that each one of them threw down uh, also became a literal snake. It was not an illusion on their side either. Uh, it was also uh, something happening there in the natural world uh, where this change was made. And we don't understand it. We can't, we can't explain it. Um, but you can experience it. And anyone who um, experiences God experiences his supernatural power. Anyone who experiences uh, the devil experiences his, his power, his supernatural power. But as we see here, Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. So the point of that true story, that actual event there in the Old Testament, is that God's power is always so far greater than the devil's power, that whatever the devil might throw at you, God has more than enough power to handle it, and we need to rely upon him. Uh, we need his strength. You know, as it says in the New Testament, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Um, and yet, interestingly, son, even when the evidence was there for God's power, Pharaoh, we're told, hardened his heart. I wrote an article one time years ago uh, with the title something like, um, Moral Resistance Lies Deeper Than, uh, you know, uh, than Intellectual, um, you know, Teaching or, or something to that effect. Um, the, the bottom line is, son, even with evidence right there staring you in the face, you would think that, that, that anyone would fall on their knees and give their life to the God of the Bible, the God of the universe. But we're not told that Pharaoh did that at all. He hardened his heart. And this just shows how deep man is steeped in sin. That even when God performs a miracle right in front of you, um, you know, many people don't give their lives to him. You know, we've all heard of the person, and maybe someone listening is, has had their own experience where you get to such a low point in life. You'll say, well, God, if only you'll get me out of this, then I'll give you my life or this or that. And, and sometimes, you know, that's how people have come to know the Lord because the Lord has delivered them. Uh, but not every time that is said by someone is, is it probably really being meant by them. But, but yeah, that, that's the story there with, with Pharaoh, his magicians, Moses and Aaron, and the power of God to swallow up the secret arts uh, of of uh, the, those sorcerers, and and that's all of these things we've been talking about so far today. Son, these secret arts uh, that are in the realm of darkness. 
And for those that take anything from that story, hashtag God wins. When you write, when you, yeah. when you, when you write in the story, or I mean, I'm sorry, in the article, you write about how dabbling in magic is like starting a race car engine inside your soul, you know, it energizes yeah. you. But I would also think that when, if I'm Moses and I'm Aaron and I throw my staff down and it becomes a snake yeah. and then the sorcerers do the same and it's a snake, but then my snake eats your snake. I mean, that thing, yeah. you would think that would energize us too and get us excited and get us going, but it would be more of a genuine, real uh, race car engine going, so to speak, versus the you know uh, yeah. supernatural kind of the false sense of that excitement and that energy that we get because God also gives us the energy. I mean, we should be energized when we see God performing Absolutely miracles and God fine. doing things, uh, just That's like right. we would if we see you know if we feel that way when we sin, we get excited because sin is fun. But then also doing yeah. God's work is also fun and should energize us as well. Well, and that's what we do see, isn't it, Son? Not only do we see it in the Scripture, not only do we see it in the Book of Acts, but um, it, it's been going on now for, for thousands of years. And many times, I think, Son, where we tend to see more of these dramatic outward manifestations of God's power are when missionaries are going into a land where the gospel has not been heard before or, or rarely have ever been presented and, and it seems like in the history of world evangelization, um, the power of God to perform miracles seems just there at the ready. Whenever someone ventures into uh, hostile territory, uh, meaning by that territory that the devil has, has held in his grip uh, for centuries. And, and it's, it's in these situations, Son, where I think we see the most outward manifestations, miracles being performed, um, that are very visible to those in the community, um, very visible to those in the village, very vi- uh, visible to those who for centuries have worshipped the, the, the gods, the deities of their ancestors. And now this, this person or this, these people are coming into our village and they're telling us about, about uh, Jesus and they're telling us about a cross. And, and, and why should we believe that? Well, um, God gives them reasons to believe by manifesting supernatural power in those situations. And, and, and I'll tell you, son, one of the reasons I suspect that we don't see maybe that sort of outward manifestation um, as much in the United States is, is, is for several reasons. I mean, first of all, the gospel has been here a long time. And yet, as we know, it hasn't sunk very deep uh, for, for many um, but, but the other thing is how many Christians, how many Christian leaders would even be strong enough to be able to be used by the Lord in that way without it going to their head, without, you know, them thinking, well, you know, boys, it's me and my power, because this is exactly what happens on the dark side with the magicians. Okay. And we'll see when we look at Simon, the sorcerer in the new Testament, the problem with man and, and, and handling supernatural power is he can't seem to help himself from taking the credit for it. In fact, we even see this with Paul and the apostles in the New Testament. I mean, there were times they wanted to just worship these apostles because of the miracles they were performing. And, and you know what? You can't tell me that maybe none of them ever were tempted to let some of that go to their head. And, and th- But this is exactly what we see with magicians on the dark side. It's all about them. It's all about their supposed power. It's all about them gaining fame and notoriety and money. And who wouldn't want that in the flesh? But, but when you become a Christian, you now have a supernatural power in, inside of you in the person of the Lord Almighty who begins to give you different desires, 
not desires for fame and fortune and notoriety, but desires to see people know Jesus. And that, in many ways, son, is the greater miracle than even, you know, something like a, a, a snake, you know, being swallowed up by a staff, as dramatic as that is. Just think if we were having things like that happen all the time, son, we would be so caught up with those manifestations. How much time would we spend in God's word growing, uh, feeding on the word, growing in the Lord, reaching others? It would be all about the, the, the uh, dazzle and all about the, the, those fantastic things. When, when you stop and think about it, what could be more fantastic than being forgiven of your sins, uh, that, that, that virus in your soul that's far worse than the coronavirus because it brings spiritual death for all of eternity to your soul. But having the cure, already having the cure in, in, in the person of Jesus Christ and the death that he died, the blood that he shed, the free gift that he gives, what could, what could be a greater miracle than that? Uh, you know, I mean, there are all sorts of stories from the mission field, and many of them true, about things that happen even today, son, just incredible things that God is doing through missionaries, and, and many of them involve, you know, uh, healing uh, people of various uh, illnesses and things, but there are many other miracles that God performs both in the Bible and on the front lines of, of uh, you know, mission work today. But, but when all is said and done, the greatest miracle is a changed life. The greatest miracle is someone whose heart was hard toward God, uh, like Paul, uh, who was a persecutor of Christians, and him being converted and now beginning to love the Lord. His faith was in Christ, not in his Judaism. And he, he went out to preach that message that he formerly persecuted. Now, that son, that is really the greatest miracle that we see happening today. And it's happening all over the world, wherever the gospel is going forth. Dan Delzell with us talking about the difference between divine power and magic. And, you know, when you compare the two, Dan, divine power, which comes from God, versus the supernatural magic, which comes from the dark side, um, you look at the comparisons. Okay, you write that the divine power leads to you know, humility, uh, humbleness. It's, uh, you're focusing on the long-term, the eternal, all that's good. Yep. You're also peaceful. It leads to a peaceful and gentleness. It leads to being humble and quiet even, like you said. The other side of it is it's fame, it's fortune, it's instant gratification, it's the temporal, it's in the now, it makes us feel good. So there's a difference between the two. One is what I like to say, or what reminds me of what Jesus was like. When we look yeah. at Jesus' example, we see all the definitions in the theme of your article that you write. You see the themes that reflect what Jesus' character was in the Bible. Yeah. And then the themes that you write about the uh, supernatural magic, we kind of see in what you were talking about in the story of Simon. And there's a mm -hmm. comparison who's also a New Testament, so uh, from Samaria. So, you know, both New Testament times, you have this comparison with Jesus, who's the divine power, compared to the characteristics and character of Simon, who was yeah. the supernatural magic. And I see the, the, the compare and contrast in the two when you look at those two. I know a lot of people are familiar with Jesus. At least they should be, but maybe not too many people are familiar with Simon and his story. And I know you write about it yeah. in the article, so maybe you can just kind of touch on Simon's aspect a little bit, and maybe that'll help people kind of see the comparison between the characteristics of the divine power that we see in Jesus versus the characteristics of the supernatural magic that we see in Simon. Uh, you bet, Son. That's a, a great idea. In uh, in Acts chapter eight, 
Uh, we read beginning in verse 9, uh, Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for, so, uh, for a long time with his magic. Now, there's more to that story, but that really gets at the heart of, I think, your question there, Son, in terms of what was going on in Simon's heart, what was going on in his life. Well, he was engaged in something far more than illusion or trickery. It says he practiced sorcery. So here we're dealing with, you know, traditional magic. Uh, it, it said he amazed people for a long time with his magic. So he was tapping into supernatural power. No wonder they said this man is the divine power. Now tell me this, son, how in the world is God going to be getting any glory if man is being thought to be the divine power? Who do we suppose would want man to get that sort of credit? Well, of course, Satan, because Satan wants to do anything he can to have eyes taken off of the Lord and placed upon him or upon really anyone but the Lord. And isn't it interesting that this is what led to Satan's downfall himself, son, for the scripture gives us some clues about what happened after he was created as one of God's top angels. But in Ezekiel, it says his heart became proud on account of his beauty. We don't often think of Satan as a beautiful angel, but something led him to become so proud that he was no longer satisfied to worship his creator, uh, but he, as a created being, decided, hey, um, I think it's time for me to start to be the main draw here. And so his own heart became proud. His own heart became um, filled with this idea, why should the focus be on God? I mean, look at how much I bring to the table. And, and so this was really the first sin uh, in, in the universe. Um, Satan certainly was not created sinful. Um, he was not created with that kind of attitude, but his heart became proud. And, and what we see in human beings, son, uh, because we are all sinners, is that we all have that seed within us, that if we water that seed, it, it begins to crave the attention, uh, clamor for the focus. And, and we certainly see this with, you know, um, Anyone in the world who's practicing real sorcery and who is engaged in uh, fame and fortune, receiving those uh, benefits that, that really are not benefits at all because they're so short term. Uh, and the cost that you're paying for that is your soul. You are giving your soul to fame and to fortune. And, and this was what Simon was in danger of doing as he was going around amazing people. See, Simon learned something, son. He learned that you can tap into a realm of supernatural power. Now, I know we live in a day where there are plenty of people who will kind of talk with this new age terminology as though we all have this power within us. We just need to look within ourselves. We need to tap into this. And, and, and there's all kinds of talk about that uh, in the world today. But in reality, son, every human being, like every angel, is a created being. Human beings do not have supernatural power except that which is given to them by God or that which is really um, uh, used through them 
by the dark side. And, and Simon was allowing the, the dark power to be used through him. Um, people were amazed at him. And, and what weren't they doing? They weren't celebrating Jesus. So you asked the question about the difference between the humility of Jesus and the pride of someone like Simon the sorcerer, and it couldn't be any more stark. It's right there in our face. And, and so for the Christian today, to be a Christian means, as John the Baptist said, he must become greater, I must become less. Christ must become greater. And how do you know, son, when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit? Because they're always wanting to talk about Jesus. How do you know when someone is either struggling with pride or is steeped in pride? They're always wanting to talk about themselves. They're always wanting to boast in their own accolades, their own uh, successes, uh, their own achievements. And we're told right here in this passage that Simon boasted that he was someone great. You'll never hear a Christian who's filled with the Holy Spirit, who is walking closely with the Lord. You'll never hear a Christian do that. Why? Because the Spirit in a Christian, the Holy Spirit, does not uh, dwell within us to lead us to boast about ourselves. The Apostle Paul, who if anybody could have boasted in their Christianity, in the miracles being performed through them, in the life they were living then uh, once he was converted, if anybody could have, it would have been the Apostle Paul. Um, you know, really many would argue the greatest Christian of all time in terms of follower of Christ and, and, and how God used him, uh, to, you know, to give us so much of the New Testament. Um, but, you know, Paul wrote these words in Galatians. He, he wrote, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So you won't find a, a, a bigger contrast than Paul's attitude and Simon the Sorcerer's attitude but it, it goes to what's on the inside, son. This is why people need to be born again. This is why people need God to come live within them and forgive their sins. Because until that happens, son, we all by nature, we want to be the top dog. We want to get the attention. We want, we want people to think, man, oh man, isn't he something? Isn't she something? But when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden we're set free from all of that nonsense. We're free to live for the one who deserves all praise, honor, and glory. Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Dan Delzell with us. And Dan, you write in the article the difference between divine power and magic, that when you receive Christ as your Savior, your body, be, your body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit then is reflected in that. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, which comes from Galatians. The good fruit flows from God's divine presence and the power within a believer. So we like to think of the good that comes from, uh, from God. And then on the flip side, because you write in the article also that humans, we're like a, a medium. We're like, um, I don't want to say a host, but, but we're like mm-hmm. something that, you know, people, like we can either be filled with God or we can be filled with the supernatural magic of, of the dark side. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I like to think about is the... Um, not really a movie that I would recommend, but uh, the movie Alien. When the mm-hmm. alien kind of puts a host uh, or uses humans as a host, and then this like creature bursts out, destroys the life that it was hosting mm-hmm. or that was hosting it, and then this ugly thing is running around the spaceship. Now, the reason why I use that analogy, because it kind of reminds me when you read the story of the article and listening to you talk, it's like we have two choices. If we're going to be this yeah. medium, if we're going to be this host, yeah. we can either host that which is good, which has the fruit of the yeah. spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, or we can host the, the dark side, which becomes this alien that bursts out of us, destroys our lives, and then runs around and starts yeah. destroying everybody else's life. 
And yeah. so it's like we have a decision to make because, again, like we mentioned earlier, the Bible talks about we're wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, not of this yeah. world. So we have a choice to make. And that's where we stand now. It's like, what choice are we going to make? Because when you take a look at, for example, in this day and age, we got the coronavirus. And here in Los Angeles, a lot of people are hoarding stuff and kind of being selfish. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I understand that. You know, I get it. There's panic. But there's also, yeah. we can see in times like this, crisis situations, and, and other times, we can see and people will know us by our fruits. So are we out there helping, sharing, allowing people to have other resources, or are we hoarding it all? And I don't want to criticize people that are hoarding. It's not about that. Sure. But it's just about people will know us by our fruits. So are we the ones that are out there giving the patience, the kindness, the goodness, or are we the ones out there with this alien busting out, destroying our lives, and then going around and destroying everybody else's lives? Well, you raised some excellent points there, Son, and, and I love the word conduit that you use because, of course, we are to be conduits for Jesus. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And, and so as I wrote in the article, when your body becomes a temple of the Holy Spirit, that fruit of the Spirit that you quoted there from Galatians 5, that fruit of the Spirit is a beautiful thing that God produces in us. And there is power that God brings. There is wisdom that God brings. There is fruit. Uh, there's all of this goodness of God. And on the other side of the spectrum, um, on the dark side, there is a lot of energy that dark forces can bring to a person. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, that, that movie in Hollywood many times has made movies uh, that, that deal with uh, supernatural uh, things. And, and sometimes they probably get a little bit closer to the reality than, than otherwise. Um, I never watched, nor would I have interest in watching The Exorcist, but, you know, obviously in the Bible and in the world today, you know, exorcisms happen all the time where people are delivered uh, from demons. And you also hear stories and read stories sometimes of uh, whether it be an exorcism or something uh, very similar to that, let's say, where like maybe a smaller individual uh, it takes, you know, eight or nine strong men to try to hold this person down. Uh, and, and sometimes the claim is, well, you know, they were, you know, possessed with demons or maybe they were, were high on drugs or something like this. But, but what we find in the Bible and we find in, in human experience today, Son, is that there is tremendous power uh, comes when you are uh, tapping into the supernatural. Unfortunately, when you are receiving power from the dark side, there's no peace. There's no salvation. There's no joy. Uh, there's no Jesus. There's no faith in the Lord. There's no hope. Uh, it's a hopeless life. Uh, even though there can be a lot of power, and for some people, there's a lot of fame. There's a lot of fortune. You know, you'll hear about people who, you know, supposedly have sold their soul to the devil. Well, of course the devil can provide people with worldly things. He'll, he'll give you anything you want, practically, as long as uh, you give him your soul. Uh, but it won't be worth it. Because as you get to the end of your life, um, you're going to quickly realize that you're getting older and you don't have much time left on earth and you want to exist forever as a much younger person, as a healthy person and, and in a wonderful place. But what you'll come to find out is that if you sow the seeds of your life into darkness, um, you may never find yourself getting out of that mess getting untangled of it. In fact, it is said, Son, that when you look at the age at which, um, you know, a person comes to know Christ, obviously the highest percentage of people come when they're younger. The higher you go in age, the fewer percentage-wise of, of people that come to know the Lord. Many times because like Pharaoh, in the example we looked at, when you harden your heart to Christ, 
when you say no to the gospel over and over and over again, when you tap into dark spiritual power, um, you are only entangling your soul. Now, my friend, even if you find yourself in that situation today, the very fact that you're listening to this podcast, okay, let that be an encouragement to you. Jesus will save you today. Jesus will deliver you today. Call on the name of the Lord. Ask Christ to forgive your sin. Trust in the blood that he shed and the death that he died. And throw yourself on the mercy of the Lord today. And guess what? You'll be forgiven. You'll be delivered. You'll be set free. You'll be given eternal life in heaven. But only if you turn to the Lord. Only if you place your faith in Christ. Only if you repent of your sin and believe the good news. Because salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And it was Jesus himself, my friend, who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And yet today the door is open. Jesus said, I am the door. Whoever enters through me will be saved. My friend, there's one door onto the ark of salvation today. As the floodwaters of sin, the floodwaters of the coronavirus, the floodwaters of perhaps your own um, poor health, or, or despair, or addiction, or whatever is facing you, uh, as those floodwaters rise, there is one door. There is one door, and his name is Jesus, and you can walk through that door today. Simply reach out to the Lord by faith. Accept Christ as your Savior. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And my friend, that can happen for you today if you'll take that childlike step of faith and just call on Jesus as your Savior. He'll, he'll not only save you, he'll become your friend, starting today. Dan, you mentioned calling on the name of Jesus and, and being saved, but if somebody is listening and they really don't know what that means, or they really don't know how to do that, and they're just sitting there being kind of confused, like, okay, Jesus, I'm calling on your name. I mean, that's good enough, but is there anything more specific that people can do that when you talk about calling on the name of Jesus or reaching out to Jesus or accepting Jesus, what that specifically is about? Okay, good good question, Son. And here's here's what I would say to that, okay? I would encourage anyone uh, to think of sin in your soul the same way you might think of the coronavirus in your body. Now, I hope, my friend, you are not diagnosed with a coronavirus. Uh, many are, many more will be. But let's say you were diagnosed with a coronavirus. You know, they're talking about some, some drugs today, uh, drugs that have been used in the past, uh, uh, to um, deal with malaria and other things. They're talking about different drugs that are being looked at. Of course, they're working on a vaccine. But let's just say there was a pill that you could take today that would cure the coronavirus. Would you take it? You say, well, that's a no-brainer. Of course I would take it. How? Well, get to wherever they have it. Get to the hospital. Get to your doctor. Um, take that pill. Um, you know, put it in your mouth. Swallow that pill. That's what it would mean. That's what you would need to do. And then, you know, let's just say that you're, you're healed there rather quickly, okay? So how does that work with your soul? Well, you have a virus in your soul. It's called sin. Jesus provided the cure at the cross. The way you take that medicine, the way you call on the name of the Lord, is you place your trust in his death for your sins. You admit that you're a sinner. In other words, you admit that you have a virus in your soul. You admit that your soul is sick and, and needs a doctor. You admit that you're not who you should be in terms of a perfect person before God, who of us is, okay? So you admit that, you confess your sin to God, and then you take the pill. Uh, that is, you believe Jesus died for me, so it's okay. I'm forgiven. It's all good. 
my sin is washed away. And, and this happens, my friend, through faith. So while you're not putting a pill in your mouth, let's say as you would under the scenario uh, I gave with the coronavirus, you are receiving the cure in your, uh, in your soul, not putting a pill in your mouth, but receiving the, the, uh, the cure in your soul through faith, through faith, by belief, by trusting that Jesus did do what, what the Bible says he did, and, and by receiving him as your Savior. And, and so it, it's a transaction that you make with God. You can do it right where you're at. You say, what well, do I need to walk down an aisle? You know, like they do at the Billy Graham Crusade or in many churches. Um, I mean, if you want to walk down an aisle, great, but you don't have to do, walk down an aisle to be cured. You do, however, need faith. You do need trust in Christ. Um, we are saved by grace through faith. Jesus and his cross and his blood, that's the pill. But the only way to receive Christ is by faith. So we don't have to go to church a bunch before. No, no, by faith, not by works, by faith. Then, yes, go to church. Do all these things to grow in your faith. You know, once uh, we get through this coronavirus and people start gathering together again, in the meantime, dig into God's word there at home. Listen to these Christian podcasts. And, and so, Sarah, I'd be happy to say more about that. But that would be, I guess, um, you know, the main way that I would answer your question about, you know, exactly how do, uh, what's it mean to call on the name of the Lord? Yeah, and I like the simplicity of it. Just the fact that if you're sick, you take a pill, that medicine makes you better. Or in this case, all you mm-hmm. have to do is just have faith and believe That's and right. nothing more. That's right. And I think That's even right. the Bible talks about the faith of a grain of a mustard seed. So it really doesn't yes. require even a whole lot of faith, to be honest, uh, which is probably maybe a conversation for another time. How much faith does it need? But it's just really just faith and belief. And that's all that matters. Well, and I'll tell you, son, I'd like to share this verse, too. Um, although um, this spring will um, not only be, you know, an Easter, unlike anything any of us have known in terms of just what's going on around us and what we're so used to with activities at Easter, you know, with, uh, you know, church uh, worship services and other things. But we may never again on earth have this sort of experience like this Easter. But I'll tell you what. Uh, John eleven twenty five and 26 is just as relevant, if not more so today for us and needed more so today, where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asked Martha the question, do you believe this? See, God has put um, all these blessings, um, he has put them into this pill of belief of belief, of faith. And and once you believe that, my friend, the Lord will come to live within you. All of this fruit that Son and I have been talking about will begin to be um, uh, worked in your life. You'll have the divine power, you know, the real divine power living in you, the person of God himself. Um, and, and you'll begin to experience that power. You'll begin to flow in that power. Your life won't be perfect. You'll still, you know, have times of fear and, and temptation and despair and everything else because you're still human, but you'll have the free gift of eternal life and you'll begin to grow in the Lord. And, and so this Easter, even if you find yourself, as I'm sure most of us will, uh, confined to our homes on Easter Sunday, uh, Jesus will be right there with us. And even, even if we're like the man in that photograph that is on our Facebook page, Son, a couple of days ago, a photo from 1989 uh, of, of a man in a lighthouse with these huge waves um, there at the lighthouse and a helicopter there, um, a man in a helicopter took that photo of these individuals waiting to be rescued there in the lighthouse 
It's a dramatic scene. Many today feel isolated. Many today feel like they're in this lighthouse of their home and they can't go out. And what am I to do? And the waves of coronavirus are around me. But my friend, let me tell you something. The lighthouse in that image is not your home. It is the person of Jesus who is our rock and our refuge. And if you will remain in Christ, if you will stand in Christ, uh, the waves of sin will not destroy you. The waves of death will not destroy you. The waves of coronavirus will not destroy you. Even if they were to infect your body, even if, and we hope this doesn't happen, but even if you were to lose your life to the coronavirus, your physical life, your soul would be immediately transported to heaven when Jesus is your rock and your refuge. So there is no greater source of power. There is no other divine power than the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and this is why when we talk about the different sign between divine power and magic, we're talking about, you know, night and day in terms of victory over defeat, light over darkness, almighty power over, you know, anything the devil might try to throw into the mix, which is far, far left than what God can do, has done, and will continue to do in the world today and in the world to come. Dan Delzell, author at the Christian Post, The Difference Between Divine Power and Magic. You can find it there along with all his other writings. And and also you go to Amazon, Kindle. Kindle versions, uh, I believe, are still out there with a lot of writings that you wrote um, that people can download for free and, and read. And if you want to, to know more or reach out, Dan, uh, an email address, maybe if someone has uh, questions that they want to contact you with. Definitely, Son. If anyone would like to reach out to me by email, you could just simply write to Dan Delzell. Uh, that's D-E-L-Z-E-L-L, uh, Dan Delzell at Cox, C-O-X.net. And I would be happy to... Uh, to respond to any thoughts or questions, ideas you might have. And so um, beyond that, you know, Son mentioned just the articles of the Christian Post. If you just uh, did a Google search for my name and looked at those articles on the Christian Post, uh, there would be not only this topic, but many other topics of uh, regarding Christian faith and issues in culture, issues in the Bible, uh, that you might find interesting and helpful uh, in your life of discipleship as a follower of Christ, or even as someone who's just, you know, uh, looking looking at this information and, and perhaps uh, wondering whether or not it might might be for you. And if you want to reach out, you can find me on Instagram at Edom Rocks and also uh, email me, sonedom at gmail.com. Dan, thanks so much. We appreciate it. We appreciate your time and your words, and, and we look forward to many more of these visits to come. And, um, hey, be safe there in Nebraska because I know California, we're nutty out here. Well, uh, thank you, Son. I tell you, it's a crazy time that we live in. And uh, thank you so much for what you're doing, Son, to spread the good news of Jesus. And just uh, for this wonderful time we've been able to share today, And you be safe as well. And I, I will look forward to our next visit as we continue to uh, dig into these topics that really, now more than ever, um, we all need uh, to fill our minds with this so that we have hope and encouragement in the world in which we live. And just a reminder to people, you can uh, find this uh, on uh, Podbean. Just look, Podbean, Eden Rocks Radio is actually where it's at. So uh, you can uh, find it there. Thanks for listening. Do tell a friend. Dan, Dan, thanks so much. And until next time, God bless.